Mindfulness Mode. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a grief specialist. We're here to talk about death, about grief, about how we deal with it as humans. She's a clinical hypnotherapist. She's a master practitioner of NLP, and she has helped bereaved women worldwide. And she's done this for over a decade, and she's a sought after speaker. She presented at a conference called Grief to Love, and I'm just really honored and really pleased to be here with Silky Herwald. Silky, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm, yeah, I think I am because I've been looking forward to this interview with you because I adore your podcast. So I've been really looking forward to this and um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm really here. Well, I'm really, really excited to talk to you about this very important topic. And let's start with mindfulness. What does the word mindfulness mean to you? To me, I think mindfulness means, A, of course, being being present with, you know, all my five senses. But at the same time, I like to take mindfulness also to mean to be present with my own mind. So that when, for example, I get a weird feeling or I fear myself getting anxious or whatever it may be, that then I go and check in with myself and go, what were you just thinking about? What images were you making on the inside of your head? What was it that you were saying to yourself? Where does this come from? So for me, real mindfulness actually is also being being present with myself because when I realize what I've just done on the inside, then I can also do something about that. Well, let's talk about death. I know that you've had some very monumental losses over the last number of years. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your background as we move into this topic? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, So I have been working as a clinical hypnotherapist now for 13 years about. And uh, one of my first clients came to see me because she wanted to stop drinking quite so much alcohol. And um, when I asked her, since when has this been a problem, um, she could tell me the exact date, Uh, to which I replied, what happened? And she told me that her husband had passed away. And ever since it was about two and a half or three years, she had been sort of like functioning on the outside. But of course, every night when she came home from work, she just went to to the bottle of wine or two and um, yeah, numbed everything that was going on. And now she wanted to to stop drinking. And of course, I realized very quickly that this was not really an alcohol problem, but it was yes. a grief problem. Yes. And, um, and of course, with grief, we really need to work with all of the subconscious processes that are going on as well. Um, and um, so that's when I started to really specialize in, in grief. And... Um, I've worked with lots and lots of people and then four years ago now my sister passed away from cancer and um, that of course took my grief work to a whole different level Mm 
um, because we were a very, very close family. Um, it was just my my parents, my sister and I, her husband. And um, I just kind of had this this sense of being all alone in the world. And um, because, of course, I mean, your siblings, they're there from day dot. You just yeah. don't, parents and siblings, you just don't know life with without them. And, of yeah. course, as kids, you know, we had our fights and stuff. But as soon as there was a threat from the outside, we forgot about all our little fights and we were just it we were a team straight away and that has been the way all our life and um so then i also realized that with the tools i had i had this weird thing about being on the receiving end of grief and actually going oh i knew that visceral pain was bad but oh this this is oh oh this is really like oh this is even worse than what i thought it was you know because yes. you just don't understand grief until until you got there yes um so that took my understanding to a next level then of course um seeing my parents having lost their adult daughter, my my brother-in-law, very, very close, um, losing his wife of over 25 years. And um, so, yeah, help, help them as much as I could or as much as they, they wanted help with it as well. And um, then COVID-19 hit. And in Australia, we went into pretty much close the country down. Nobody was allowed to in or out. So I didn't see my parents for two years. Um, and, um, during that time, I, I had a beautiful old therapy dog who always came to when I was, I work a lot online with people as well, right. but right. whenever I go to the clinic and see people in person, she always came with me. And to me, it was fascinating. She just knew before the person knew themselves that they would get upset. As soon as I would see her getting off her bed and gently walking over to the person and just sitting right next to them, not touching them, just sitting right next to them, ready for them. So that when all that grief came out, she was just there and they could just pet her. And it, she was amazing. That is but amazing. unfortunately, she was 15 and a half. So I had to let her go. Um, so that was that was also, once again, very horrible. But it was like, okay, she was old. I'd seen it coming. And I was fascinated how different. Yes, it was, it was, it was terrible. It was really sad. But it felt different. Mm -hmm. And then... Ten days after that, I got the phone call at four o'clock in the morning from my mum that my dad had passed away. All of a sudden, I'd spoken to him 24, no, 36 hours early on the phone and he was happy and well. So he just um, dropped dead, dead at home, basically. And wow. um, so, yeah, then I had to, you know, get out of Australia, uh, applied for a travel exemption and all that. And, um, yeah, get on the flight that nobody wants to be on. Right. So, and again, you know, um, that grief once again felt somewhat different. Yes, it felt kind of like familiar. It's like, oh, okay, been there. Yes. But there was a, a different level of loss because, again, you know, losing a parent, as you know, and I would think probably losing a mother would feel different again. So I'm I'm really fascinated with how different all of that feels. So, but of course, what that has done then when I once I came back from Germany, I had to go into two week hotel quarantine. Right. Um, and um, yeah, being set in a hotel room that you're not allowed to leave once in two weeks um, was a bit of a challenging experience. But what I did was. It was Father's Day in there as well. And um, I realized that there was more that I could do. 
And at that moment in time, I was like, well, there's so many wonderful tools that we can use, hypnosis mm -hmm. recordings um, and all of these things that I would just like to make available to more people. So that's when my idea really started um, to do something with a membership and to not only work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but to really help people on a bigger level and uh, where they can go self-paced and yeah, download hypnosis recordings. And that's really when the, the grief to love blueprint started. And that's also when I, because I needed help and um I actually I caught one of my best friends who also is a hypnotherapist. She said, yeah, I know I'm good, but honestly, I don't really know what to do with grief because grief is kind of like different to all this other stuff that we do. Teach me. So then I started to teach her and she said, man, you need to teach hypnotherapists around the world how to do this. So now I'm doing that as well. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Tell me more about the membership group. How often do you, do you meet with people? Tell me about it. So yeah, that's um, that's a membership, um, and um, so there's a lot of self-paced things around there because there's certain things that people just kind of universally kind of need to understand about how subconscious processes work, sure. and that it's not nothing woo woo, but. Um, mm -hmm. and about hypnosis. And then, of course, with grief, um, there are no five stages of grief. It's way messier than that. It would be lovely if there were just five or seven, or I don't even care how many, but if there was just a neat process and neat yes. steps that you could tick off, what a relief that would be. But I'm so sorry. They're not there. So, and some people, they kind of go more into the endless questions. Oh, what did that person die of in the end? Oh, what if I had done this? Oh, I should have done that. Oh, was that the right thing to say? And they just can't stop that endless internal dialogue and it's driving them around the bends. Other people, they realize that they get super overwhelmed and very anxious about stuff. Mm -hmm. um, for And of course, that very often also happens in, in couples when they've lost a partner because especially in older couples, they had this really traditional, you are in charge of this and this and this and I'm in charge of that and that and that. And now they really have to learn how to do the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that is a massive learning curve. And with that, quite often comes overwhelm and anxiety. Other people, they deal more with um, anger. Yes. Um, sometimes they, they hate to admit it, but even kind of like to the deceased person, why did you leave me? There's some mm -hmm. kind of that in there. Um, and there's all of those different facets um, that come with grief. So I've got like different pots. If you are struggling the most with the relentless questions, start here. If you are struggling the most with overwhelm and anxiety, start here. If you're struggling the most with not being able to get out of bed or lethargy or lack of motivation, start here. And then in each pod, there are certain exercises, there are certain hypnosis recordings, and um, yeah, that's that's how. And then, of course, um, we do um, also monthly group <coughs> coaching calls in that as well, uh, where we get together as a group. And um, I go, and um, if there are, I always answer questions that people have in the membership as well. Sometimes I would record a video. Sometimes I reply, re reply in writing. Because any question that anybody has, 
I'm sure at least, you know, that many other people have got exactly the same question. They may have yes. not been aware that they got the question yet, or they may have just not asked the question yet. So that's very much how that membership works. And um, yeah, and also what it does is because, as I said earlier, nobody understands grief until until it hits them. Yes. You, you, just, you just can't. You just can't. Um, and um, so it's a community of, of people and they help each other out, which is really lovely. They kind of go and sometimes because, of course, I can't be online all the time. And um, but then sometimes I come back after the weekend and I see that somebody has tagged somebody else and said, hey, I think this this recording will be really helpful. Have you watched that video? Mm -hmm. So they kind of also give each other hints on where to go within the portal. I see. So I, I downloaded something that you offered called Grief to Love, and it's a, a path showing, yes. showing uh, what you can expect to experience as you move down this pathway. And as you explained, you don't always... You don't always experience everything in in a certain order. No, it's, no, it's it's pretty random at times. Yes, and and in here you talk about your internal voice. How do you help people with their internal voice? So the internal voice is, you know, I think people often ask, "Oh, what are subconscious processes?" And your subconscious process are very, very simple. It's when somebody gives you well-meaning advice and on the outside, you're nodding and smiling and saying, oh, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Yeah, I'll try that. Mm -hmm. And on the inside, everything is screaming, hell no, we're not going to do that. No, that's not going to work. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That's your subconscious processes, or these are, these are part of your subconscious processes. So, and um, what, I think traditional grief counseling is trying to do is trying to approach this whole grief subject with a lot of logic. What would be the next logical thing to do? But of course, the problem is, is that logic mainly resides in the head and grief mainly resides in the body and especially in the heart. It's your mm -hmm. heart that's broken. It's not your head that's broken. So of course, we really need to work with those subconscious processes and instead of trying to push them away where people kind of that's why people have these endless arguments with themselves mm -hmm. where that internal dialogue might go oh if only i had done that then maybe this would have happened and then it always leads to oh then maybe we could have saved the person um and instead of going oh well yeah but it didn't happen like that da, 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 but then there's always this internal argument but instead, I encourage my people to lean into that and go, okay, right. Thank you for bringing this up. I know it didn't work. I know we couldn't have done it differently, but thanks for bringing it up. What's the intention behind that? I just I encourage people to just lean into that internal dialogue so that the subconscious mind feels more heard. I always liken it to a highly intelligent and also very, very stubborn four-year-old. Mm -hmm. And if you tell the four-year-old, no, 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 we're just going to do it because I say so, you're going to end up with an endless argument with that four-year-old. But when you actually drop down on the floor to the level of the four-year-old and go, okay, buddy, what do you really want? And 
Why is this so important about for you? Tell me about that. Come on, tell me more about this. All of a sudden, the four-year-old feels heard and you've got a completely different relationship. And that's how I help people also with their internal dialogue by yeah, giving them lots of tools and how to do this leaning in. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's talk about guilt because yes. guilt is such a big part of grief. And, you know, we can maybe be feeling better one day and then all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, just a minute, I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know, and that can overcome people. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and as you said, you know, you can be feeling halfway okay and then three minutes later or three hours later or three days later, so yeah, that's why it's it's so messy. The 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 guilt bit um, is of course <laughs> that we in grief we always hope that we could have done things differently, mm -hmm. and of course now we as human beings the problem is we always think we have time, and all of a sudden we realize that time is a very finite. And that we do run out of time and that the other person runs out of time. And um, then there is that finality to it. So we can't make amends anymore. And um, that can cause a lot of guilt because people go, oh, my God, why did I say this on that morning or whatever it may after the or before the person passed away? Um, of course, then there also is the guilt with regards to um, the treatment or how could we have saved them, things like that. And of course, then there also is the guilt piece when all of a sudden they find themselves laughing. <gasps> oh my God, I'm being disloyal. I'm, I'm having fun again in the world. How, how dare I when my person has just died? So there's yeah. that piece as well um, where, it, yeah, people just kind of feel like they're not allowed to, they don't have permission um to yeah enjoy themselves again and um, there are many other ways that people can feel guilty but these are the the main ones that i think pretty much everyone goes through one of the things you say is death does not end a relationship and i think a lot of people feel like oh the person has died that's the end that's it it's finished over kaput but you teach that that's not the case tell mm. us about that yes so um, for me, it is when, think about somebody that you may have known as a child or maybe a beloved grandparent or maybe the child that you always used to climb trees with and whatever. You don't even, or a teacher that you had in kindy or in primary school. You can't even remember their name necessarily. Mm -hmm. You've got no idea what happened to them. But when you think about them, you remember all the fun things that you did. You get a warm feeling. You get a beautiful smile on your face. You go, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was that kid from down the road. Man, they were good. Yeah. And you get that beautiful, warm feeling when you think about them. There is no pain. And what I want to help people, and of course, this is a completely different level. I, I completely get that. But when we, when we can think about people in that way, then, of course, I want to help people also 
they think about the person that they have lost in the future, not now, but at a time that is appropriate to get more of those good feelings so that you can still have that ongoing relationship with them. So for example, with my, with my sister, um, she had a great, she just always dressed very stylish. Um, I inherited all of her clothes and um, whenever I wear something stylish, my friends always go, oh, you see, Right. Because they know that I would never buy these kind of things. And they just kind yes. of go, oh, your sister again? Go, yeah. And I love it. Right. Yeah. And um, so I was um, working at a at a big corporate event recently, um, was presenting there. And um, I wasn't really sure what to wear. So I opened my wardrobe and I just kind of pulled out a few of her things, obviously, and then I tried them on, looked in the mirror and kind of went like, that doesn't quite feel right. And I just got to go, you see, what, what, what do I do? And I just saw her rolling her eyes at me with this huge smile and kind of going, with this, you tuck the shirt in. And I was uh. like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So there is still that 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 kind of relationship. And I was working with a client recently and um, her mum had passed away over 23 years ago. Um, and, of course, now she's in her 50s and she lost her mum in, in her mid-20s. And um, she said that she never really had this adult relationship with, with her mum. She never got to experience that. And she was really sad about that. And um, we worked together. And then what she remembered through through the work was that in actual fact, yes, there were lots of experiences where they actually treated each other as adults. She just hadn't remembered those. And then through the work that we had done, these kind of came back. And she was now able to remember those very fondly as well. So, And she said it was really weird um, that after the session she was just driving along somewhere and she saw a sign and um, all of a sudden that brought back another memory and um, she said oh when I when I had this memory coming back um, it actually put that warm smile on my face and I was working with a lady um, whose husband had passed away um, online I was working with her and um, she said um, she was out with friends for lunch and somebody talked about golf and she always thought oh, golf and but then it brought back a memory when her husband when they first got together dragged her to a driving range and how mm -hmm. much fun they had had and <laughs> that she managed to just hit the ball and it rolled like you know half a yard yes. and um and she said, I hadn't thought of that. We didn't have any photographs of that. I hadn't thought about that in, you know, 40 years. And da, 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 there it was. So, um, yeah, and that's really how I think that um, we can remember our loved ones and still have that relationship where we can still, because you know your loved ones. You know what they'd be saying. You can totally kind of imagine having that conversation and going, okay, what would they say? How would they help me with this? 
And that way you can still have that relationship. And there are, of course, techniques that I show people how to how to do this more easily. Um, but I've showed a, a lady this this recently whose husband had also passed away because she was really struggling with all of the admin side of things mm-hmm. because that was his job, the banking and the finances and all the other admin was yeah. all his job. And um, I said to her, she was in a, in a light trance, I said, what? What would he do? What would he suggest where you start? And all of a sudden she had this little giggle and she said, oh, my God, he'd say, do a spreadsheet. And all her life, she was like, here we go again. There he makes another spreadsheet. (laughs) But she finally realized, oh, he would start. He would say, you got to track it. Start with a spreadsheet. You know, and she did. She asked one of the kids, can you do me a spreadsheet of this? And they did. What a great story. Wow. <laughs> and I was going to ask you if you had a story of someone you've worked with and helped through, uh, you know, someone else, someone you've worked with and helped through some of these situations. And and uh, maybe you could share a little bit about how they've moved from one point to another. Mm, yeah. So um, I was working, I'm just kind of going through my brain, which would be, yeah. I was working with this lady um, again online and um, her husband of, I think, over 40, 50 years had had died. And um, when she came to me, she was lethargic, struggling to, you know, just, yeah, struggling with life struggling with all aspects of life, mm-hmm. very much beating herself up um, because he also had a, a, a long illness and um, very much going, oh, maybe we should have seen a different specialist. Maybe 10 years ago when that specialist said, da, 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 maybe then I should have. And it was relentless because it was over all of those years um and she was also very much struggling with um yeah anxiety about about life because he was in charge of those things she was in charge of the other things and um i started working with her and i said if you could change one thing about you and how you're dealing or not dealing with this what would you change? And she said, oh, if I could change that internal dialogue that is driving me insane about I should have, or but you couldn't have done anything differently, but if only, but you know that you couldn't. She said, that would probably let me sleep again. And yeah, so we started there. And um, we, I think within two or three sessions, we really managed to bring that dialogue down. And whenever it come up again, then afterwards, it'll come up and it would instantly kind of go, oh, well, and it will come. It was just like a split second. And she didn't have to argue with it anymore. It was an automatic thing. And um, then, of course, we also very much worked on um, letting, bring her subconscious processes into it and finding other resource experiences where she had to learn something new. And because, of course, now she had to learn something new, but it wasn't the first time in her life that she had to learn something new. It was the first time that she had to learn how to do the finances and the banking and things. 
but she has had so many experiences of learning things. So we went there and um, yeah, helped her with overall feeling more, more resourceful really within herself. And um, then again, that helped her a lot. Um, she felt more, yeah, more sure that she could do it. Um, and for me, very often with her, it was very much the case. And with most of my clients is that I work for the first oh, weeks, we work on everything but grief. Oh, do you? It's like we, we just work with clearing the decks from all the other stuff. We clear the decks from the guilt, the anger, the anxiety, the internal dialogue, all of that we clear up first because what it does and what she said was that um, she started to feel sad and she started to actually do grieving, but instantly a part of her would come in and go, yeah, but if only you had done this and would start beating her up. So she couldn't actually do the grieving process. She couldn't actually just be with her sadness, which is which is so important, really. Yes, yes. And um, and once we'd done that work, she said, "Oh, I was actually able. I felt the 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 sadness. I felt the tears, and I was actually able to just sit on the lounge and just be sad for half an hour. Mm. And I just sat there with my box of tissues, and I just cried, and I just cried, and then I cried some more." And all of a sudden, after half an hour, somehow the tears just dissipated. And I felt so much better for it. I felt so much better after it as well. Where she said before the work, she would just kind of like cry for a minute, two minutes, and then something else would kick in. And um, so, yeah, very often we start with just clearing the decks from all of the other things that actually, yeah, prevent us from grieving. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? This is a question I always mm. ask on my show, and I'm just wondering if you have a story you can share with us. Yeah, so as a as a child, I got bullied a lot because you wouldn't know it today. Today I'm very tall, um, but I was always the smallest and the skinniest kid in, in the class. And um, I got, I, there was a, a classic bully and um, I got bullied a lot by her and um, <laughs> as all children probably I thought if I, only I found the way to please her so mm. that then she'd approve of me then the bullying would stop so of right. course I tried to be everything and everyone and um, got further went further away from being me through through the process but if I had been able to just mindfully, zoom out of that situation and imagine all of those different situations being played out on a movie screen, for example, I would have probably come to the realization that no matter what little me did, I was never going to get her approval. And then I could have just gone, oh, well, I might as well just do me then. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Like I go, well, if it ain't going to work, then who cares? Exactly. Yeah, but, but of course, as a child, unfortunately, you don't have those tools. But no. if I had just kind of had that mindfulness approach and just kind of gone, hang on a minute, just take many, many steps back, just see the big picture here and oh, come back to you would yes. have made a huge difference. 
Yeah, for sure. Silky, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first question is this, who is one person who has been a very powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My mom. Uh, My mom. Even just after my dad died, we were set in the garden and she'd say, oh, look at those beautiful flowers on that bush. They weren't there yesterday. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's wonderful. My second question, how has mindfulness affected how you deal with your emotions? You've talked a little bit about this already, of course. Mm. Maybe you can sum it up. Uh, Oh, very much. For me, it is about really being aware of the emotions and then going that extra step. What did I just do to make that emotion happen? Because thought influences emotion. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about breathing. And maybe you have some thoughts, some ideas, maybe you have a particular strategy. How can breathing help us through this period? Oh, so important. Um, Because, yeah, whenever we get stressed, we all go shallow breathing. And I sometimes recommend to people just stick a few post-it notes around your house or your apartment. And whenever you see one of those those notes, take a deep breath. Yeah. Good suggestion. Very good. Are there any books that you recommend that can help people with mindfulness, but perhaps also with grief? Mm, That's a great question. You got me there. I actually don't know. Sorry, Bruce. No problem at all. My next question is about apps. Are there any apps at all that you use or recommend that can help with this process? The put the phone down app? Yeah. And get, go, yeah. go out for a walk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah go, the, go, go in the forest or go the to... The nature the, app, yes. The nature app. Yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. <laughs> Just being around trees, being oh. around water... Just just being out there is yes, what just, feeds me. And if you live in a big city, just look at the sky. Yeah. Just look at the different formations of clouds. Just be. Yeah. Yeah. And it changes so quickly. And you just constantly have something to look at because yes. it doesn't stay the same for long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's, that's, that's my favorite app, I think. Yeah. I hear you. Well, as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for someone who may be going through some challenges right now with grief? Go at your own pace. You need to grieve the way that you need to grieve. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. I hear it from my clients all the time. They go, oh, I thought I was going mad. No, you're not. It's grief. It's incredibly messy. And um, also there is, you know, people say, oh, time heals everything. I doubt that. I think it's what we do in that time that helps. Um, And um, there is no timeline on it. You need to, every listener out there, they need to grieve in their own unique way. And yeah, that I think is really, really important to understand. Good advice. Silky, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. I, I'm, I'm so 
always love it when I can be on a podcast that I just absolutely adore and that I've been listening to for such a long time. So I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Bruce, for having me. My complete pleasure. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening to the show today. I want to thank Grammarly. Grammarly is one of my sponsors and they really help me by quickly pointing out spelling or grammatical errors in all of my writing. And I find I can write faster and more accurately using this great app. You can get started using Grammarly for free. It works on your desktop applications. It works on sites across the web. It can work on apps, social media, documents, messages, emails. Use my affiliate link to get going right away. This will benefit me and you. So just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash Grammarly. And that's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.